I want to just start with a big word of thanks to uh, all of you. Uh, the difference you make uh, just by your kindness uh, here at Olmstead Falls, Lorraine Correctional, uh, when you show kindness to others, it just makes a difference. So we, we uh, give to any newcomer who's willing to fill in out a first impression survey and just say, hey, we'd like to know because we want to get better. How can we welcome people? So we got one this week. What were your first impressions of grace? One of the questions, and this person writes, absolutely loved it. Everyone was very welcoming. The church was clean. Shout out to our facility team there, by the way. Great job, team. Worship, that's right. You can clap there for the, the, those folks. Worship was amazing. I love that Grace provides so many classes. I'd definitely be taking some. Sometimes going to a new church can be scary. You had that? Remember going like on vacation, or maybe your first time at Grace? It can be scary. But I felt right at home before I even walked through the doors. So thank you. You might be the one person who just sort of reached out and helped someone have a good first impression. And uh, so really uh, grateful for you and just for being, showing the love of Jesus uh, each week. And if you're the one who, who wrote this one, uh, we're really glad to have you uh, here. So last week we began a series on the Lord's Prayer without question, the most prayed prayer in all of history, right? And the prayer is a pattern for us. It's not a prayer that we just memorize and say thoughtlessly over and over. That would, in fact, go against what Jesus says directly before he teaches us the prayer where he says, I don't want you to pray mindlessly, like just these road prayers were almost superstitiously. When I was played football in high school, uh, I remember one coach would have us all gather around, we'd take a knee, we'd say the Lord's Prayer. I don't think anybody was thinking about the words. I think it was just more like, maybe this will be the one thing that helps us get over the hump and like win this game. It was sort of like a powerful strategy, you know, to let's just, and, and that's not what Jesus had in mind. He really wants us to pray authentically, to, to, to say this is, the, not the exact words, but this is a pattern that you can pray in this way. And because Jesus prayed this prayer, it really is a great model for us. So what we're doing is we're taking a phrase each week and digging in. So let's just start by, why don't we pray this prayer together and just sort of think through the words as we do so. You ready? Let's, let's pray this together. The words are on the screen. We can pray with our eyes open. The Lord hears us either way. I usually, when I'm driving, I usually pray with my eyes open. No, no, I have, thank the Lord I always do. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. There are six petitions in that prayer or requests. The first three are directed to the Father, your name, your will, your kingdom. And then the second three are bringing our needs to him asking for his provision and help and power. Some people would say, I'm not even sure I believe there's a God. I don't know what I think about prayer. But I think all of us would say, tell me if I'm wrong, that there are times that we hit a crisis in life. We come up against uh, an obstacle that we go, I, I, don't, I don't know how to even handle this. 
Maybe it's an unexpected kind of heartache. You might be there right now, and you go, I don't know where else to turn except for God. Might be the reason you're here today. Some of you can think back to a situation where you go, oh my goodness, like I, I remember very clearly, I was desperate. It was the only thing I could do was to pray. Or maybe you're just aware, you go, in this broken world, I'm gonna face. Sometimes it's not only personal, sometimes it captures the attention of a community. You know, something happens in your community like, every, you know, we're gonna pray for this person or this family, and sometimes it's a nation. This past Monday night, if you're a football fan, even if you're not, you may have heard about the nationally televised football game where a 24-year-old player on the Buffalo Bills got up from, seemed like a routine tackle, and collapsed on the field. Did you see that? And I think I was told it was the only time in NFL history where an ambulance actually drove onto the field. Usually they'd take him off in the like, golf cart looking kind of thing. And they resuscitate him twice. Massive cardiac arrest. And the places, it's, I mean, they canceled the game. Like they're, they're not even going to replay it. And no one complained because they realized this was a, a person and a family, a team in great Christ. Did you see what happened that night on the field? All of these guys who, their average weight is about 470 pounds. <laughs> what did they all do? They all get on their knees. They gather in the circle, guys from both teams, and they, they pray. Because they did not know what else to do, right? They're in a circle, guys from both teams, coaches. I mean, they're hugging each other. Tears streaming down their faces, and they're, and they're praying. The next day, something happened on ESPN that I wasn't watching at the time. Someone sent me the clip, but I had never seen before. Maybe, maybe you caught this. I'm just, I've got a clip here I'm going to show you. It's just 90 seconds long. This is NFL Live, popular show for football fans. And the guy you're going to see on the left is Dan Orlovsky, a quarterback who played 12 seasons in the NFL. Here's what happened on national TV Tuesday. Let's take a look. Football gave me everything, you know, and I think even through the midst of absolute tragedy last night, I think you saw some of the beauty of football mm -hmm. as well, that it's brought us all here together. Um, you know, like, this is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers, and you just heard Scherf and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him, and I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say, like, we believe in prayer, and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want to, it's just on my heart that I want to pray for it is. Demar Hamlin right, right, right now. Um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that you're God, and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry, um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you, and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 Pretty remarkable, huh? 
that there comes a time where we say, I don't know what else to do. And so I pray, now, now God's heart would be that prayer not be our last resort, but our, our first step, right? The little sign that I like to refer to, it says pray first. We don't come to the place saying, I have nowhere else to turn, nothing else, and so I guess we ought to pray. But even then, God doesn't turn us away. He welcomes us to come to him, and Jesus teaches us a prayer and says, just highlighting, I want you to turn to your father. Last week, Pastor Tom, great message. He said, prayer is a win-win in our relationship with God. That, that when we look to God and we pray, we honor him, we acknowledge him. Those of you who are parents, you know if your child never contacts you, there's something you go, I don't know what's, something's not right. But if they call you and go, hey, I'm just calling to say, I was thinking about you today, Dad, I really love you, and uh, just wanted to tell you something happened in my life, and, and they're sharing, and you just go, you hang up and you go, wow, I love to hear from my kids. You think God is any different? He loves to hear from his kids. He loves to hear from you, that we honor him. But not only do we honor him, there's a win for us that we have this, this invitation to come and find mercy and grace in our time of need. And so the way that Jesus begins the prayer is, is just on its own so compelling, he says, our what? Father. Friends, that was, that was not the way people addressed God in that day. We might take that for granted right now. We go, you know, if you grew up in a certain tradition, you go, it's our, we pray our Father, our Father. That, people in Jesus' day held God in such otherness and awesomeness, which is true, he is, but they hesitated to even say the name of God. But Jesus invites us to address God with one of the most intimate terms in his language was the word Abba. It's like Papa, almost like Dad. Hey, Dad. That Jesus invites us to address God, our Father, our, my heavenly Dad. And this loving Father to whom we draw near is both merciful and he's majestic. He's tender and transcendent. He's affectionate and he's infinite. He's good and he's great. If you've heard my wife speak, you know that Mary often says there's two pillars in our lives, that God is sovereign and he's good, that we can trust him, our Father who art in heaven. That's how he begins the prayer. We have this adventure of prayer that we can come to God at any time, any moment, and we can address him in the most intimate term, and he says, I want you to come and ask. I want you to come and talk to me. So today we want to turn to the next phrase. What, what, what is that? Let's turn in our Bibles just so we can read in where, where it actually is found. It's in Matthew chapter 6, uh, first book of the New Testament, actually happens to be our Bible reading and our New Testament plan for today, Matthew chapter 6. And so you, there's notes on your way in. You may have seen those. Those of you engaging online, really glad to have you. Friends at Olmstead Falls, Lorraine Correctional, uh, just want to say we're thankful to be all part of the same church family, even if we're in different locations. Let me just mention this Bible reading guide that uh, we have that you're going to see on the screen here. That's the Bible app, but then the next three slides here just tell you how to do our Bible reading plan for the year, if you folks want to put that up. This is what it is, New Testament year. It's really doable. It doesn't take that much time. Not that we're trying to get through it quickly, but, but you just push, you go to the Bible app, you go to New Testament year, just get to that QR code, and then click Start Plan. 
you'll come to this next page. That's for today, January 8th, is what chapter? Matthew chapter 6, and then you click that, and here's what you get next. There's the Bible right there. At the top, you'll see the AA that can make the print larger. Uh, the little microphone next to it, you can just click that, listen to it in the car while you brush your teeth, and we'd love to have 100% participation. And if you go, I hate the internet, I'm not downloading anything off of there, well, for you, we have printed off all of the passages here on this little thing. You pick one of these up at the welcome desk today, or if you missed the QR code there, just see me or see the welcome desk, and we've got some of those as well, okay? Hey, one more thing. The guys at Lorraine, can I show you some? Some of you saw this, but you're like, what is that little thing he's got on the... So I come to my office this week, and, and I find this on my desk. I'm like, I wonder what this is, you know? And, and so I open it up, and, and I want to show you because it's written to you as well. And it's a scroll, and uh, the scroll is from our brothers at Lorraine Correctional. And, and I want to just, you guys really touched us, touched me. And it says this, Certificate of Recognition, uh, Pastor Jonathan Scott Lessing and the Grace family. Thank you, Grace. Thank you and the brothers and sisters in Christ for the Thanksgiving meal, your love, support, and prayers and it goes on. They have the passage written out right here from Matthew 25 when Jesus said, um, I was in prison and you, you visited me. And, and then they all, a bunch of them signed their names, including the warden as well. Guys, thank you. We love you. We're cheering you on. Uh, isn't that great? So, Glad to be part of the same family, and uh, whether here at Olmstead, Lorraine. So let's, let's dig in here, this next phrase, the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus continues, your kingdom, what? Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what does he mean by that? That little phrase, your kingdom, is a major theme in the teaching the life of Jesus. In fact, the word kingdom appears 49 times in the Gospel of Matthew alone. If you want to see a few of those, turn back to Matthew chapter 3. This is, uh, is what it says. John the Baptist, who is the advanced team for Jesus, it says in verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Not only John the Baptist's message, turn over several pages to the right, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and it says this, this is Jesus. Verse 35 of chapter 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the what? The good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So this was a really positive move in history. Uh, it's, it's good news, Jesus says, and it's accompanied by healing and restoration that the brokenness and corruption and all that's wrong with this world in its current leadership is ultimately being replaced by the one true and perfect king, and his name is Jesus. That was the message he wanted his followers to proclaim, you and me. One chapter over, chapter 10, verse 7, it says this. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. So as John the Baptist is Jesus, as Jesus' followers, he's saying, and I want you to pray it, your kingdom come. Now what does he mean by that? If it's 49 times in the Gospel of Matthew, if it has that kind of priority in the life and work of Jesus, what exactly is it? What are we praying for when we ask for the kingdom of God to come, for his will to be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. There's been a lot of discussion about this over the centuries. But one thing everybody would agree on is this, that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they're used interchangeably, that uh, refers to God's rule, his, his kingship, his rightful place of leadership in our world and in us. So it's personal, like it impacts you and me. I'm not just praying in some general sense. I'm also saying, God, I want your kingdom to come in my life. And friends, it is not a hostile takeover. There is no better leader in your life than Jesus. Like who, who knows you, understands you, has wisdom far beyond ours, power, strength, that, that like these, these football players that go, hey, as the physical specimens they are, they go, we, we had a lot of stuff we can't handle on our own. And we turn, we turn to Jesus. And so we, we, we're, we're praying, Lord, we want your kingdom, your rule to be present. Now, one of the ways we can look at this, you'll see this in your notes, is to look at this in sort of a kingdom past, kingdom present, and kingdom future kind of way. When we pray like Jesus taught us, first of all, kingdom past, we're, we're acknowledging that the Lord has always been king. We're not praying for something new like, hey, well, it's time for, you know, it's, he, it, he's always, always been king. And so we're, we're trusting and we're saying, Lord, your authority and reign have never been threatened, even when people turn their backs on you. You know, God is never anxious. He's not going, oh my goodness, I don't know if I'm gonna be reelected, you know, and, and uh, like I was king, but am I gonna be king? Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We belong to him even if we don't acknowledge it. So he deserves our surrender, our fellowship. He's always been king. So when we pray your kingdom come, we're asking for more of the reign that has always been in place, but God, may it be seen even more. Kingdom past. Let's move to kingdom future. Uh, there's some kind of element here that, that, that Jesus, we can say, is our coming king. One day the Bible says that Jesus will come and how many people will see him? Every eye will see him. It's so different than his first coming. When Jesus first came, might have been more animal witnesses to his birth than human witnesses. It's in this tiny little stable in Bethlehem and just, just a couple of, but when Jesus comes again, when there's this kingdom future, every eye will see him. We can believe that or not, but the Bible says it over and over again. And if you believe this book, then you also know what it teaches when Jesus, King, when he returns. In Philippians 2, it says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Is Lord. He's Lord of all. He's the King. And we'll see his greatness. And those who know him and have trusted him will be ushered into this amazing kingdom where the leadership of Jesus will be in place with no opposition. Last chapters of the Bible give us a peek as to what that's gonna be like. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read from Revelation chapter 21, second last chapter of the Bible says this. Jesus will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, and we could add no more divorce no more cancer, no more natural disasters, no more taxes, no more preparing my taxes, no more, 
You get a feel for what I hate. No more ulcers, no more, all of the brokenness of this world, it says, will be gone forever and ever. Can you imagine? Second coming of Jesus is going to launch the beginning of this amazing kingdom, this new era when all of us who have trusted Jesus, it's, it's gonna be a place without end that we just go, I can't believe it. I can't believe I get to spend my forever after a year. You know what Jesus says about what that time is gonna be like? Matthew chapter 25, same passage that the guys you put on this right here. Matthew chapter 25, here's what Jesus says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, he's talking about himself, a second coming, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his, what do kings, where do they sit? Glorious throne, all the nations will be gathered before him, and then what? Then the king, the king will say, friends, let's just be really clear. If you know Jesus, if you've experienced his forgiveness, as one friend here put it, your reservation is confirmed in heaven. You don't have to wonder, you don't have to guess, you don't have to hope. First John chapter five says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life and that you're gonna be in the place where Jesus reigns forever if you've surrendered to him as your king. That's the future kingdom. So he's always been king. He's going to be king without opposition in the future. But what about kingdom present? What do we mean when we pray today, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You know, we don't have to wait for heaven for the leadership of Jesus to be on display. He encourages us to ask for now. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't say, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done when we eventually arrive at the other side. He says, no, it can happen today. That we can trust him today. And so we're asking him, we're saying, Lord, I want you to be king in my life. I want you to be king in my church. I want you to be king in the lives of the people that I love because there's no better way for them to live than to live a life surrendered to you. So what does it mean to be part of his kingdom? When Jesus says, your kingdom come, a couple of bullet points you'll see in your notes. One, our primary identity and passported are rooted in King Jesus. He's my king, he's our king. We belong to his family before anything else. Before I'm an American or a Buckeye or before even my ethnicity, none of those define ultimately who Jonathan is or who you are. My first priority, my first identity is that I'm a member of Jesus' kingdom. Listen to Philippians chapter three. Our citizenship is where? In heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, let me just make sure we drive this one down. Where is your first citizenship? It's in, in heaven, right? That's your ultimate, that is your home. And who's the leader there? Jesus. We, we await our savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I brought my passport this morning. Um, I have a passport because I like to visit my siblings who live in other countries, been on some missions trips. And so uh, this is, I, you know, you, when you've been in another country, if you've done that, 
and you get to the customs and they go, passport, you know, or whatever they, that was a horrible accent. <laughs> uh, too many movies watching those German voices, right? And so you go to the, and they say passport and, and you hand over your passport and identifies you officially, here's what it says. It's a travel document issued by a country's government to its citizens that verifies the identity, the nationality of the holder with the right to protection. So you know what would be an appropriate passport for all of us to have one of these right here? Look at this. That, that is really, that is your first passport right there, amen? That you are a citizen of heaven. That is your primary identity if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of his kingdom. If he's my king, and my, then my ultimate allegiance is not to the stars and stripes, is not to the country of this passport. My, as much as I love my country, I have kids who are serving in the military. My commitment ultimately is to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and his name is what? Is Jesus. I say yes to him. Is that true for you? One of the many things that I love about uh, the Grace family is that we have dozens and dozens of nationalities represented here at, 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 at passports. If we all brought our passports here, you know, we'd, we'd have all, but you know what unifies us? What unifies us is, is that we belong to Jesus. Your primary identity is not being a citizen of the United States or Canada or India or Egypt or the Honduras or China or Japan or wherever else you might have relatives who continue to live today. If you're a follower of Jesus, your primary identity is his kingdom. Your kingdom come in my life, Lord. Your will be done. Someone might ask, you know, if, if Jesus is king and he accomplished his mission, then why is our world still so broken? It's a great question. Theologians have this little phrase, just three words that they use, already, not yet. Would you say that aloud with me, ready? Already, not yet. That Jesus has already reversed the curse of sin, but he's not yet removed sin from our presence. He's already defeated the enemy, death, but death lingers until Jesus comes again. He's already crushed the power of Satan, but Satan is a chained enemy who has not yet been cast into the pit of hell. Already, not yet. And so we pray that his kingdom priorities become reality. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Author Robert Law says it well, he says, prayer is not for getting our will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. Prayer is not for getting our will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. So it's not, first of all, me saying, God, I really want that job, or God, I want this, or not bad things to pray for, but I first of all say, God, not my will, but, but yours be done. Lord, you know best. Is this the right job for me? Is this the right person for me to spend my life with? Lord, is this the vehicle you want me to buy? Is this the place you want me to live? Is this the vacation you want me to take? Lord, I, I wanna trust you. We don't only pray for it, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done in my life. But then we say, Lord, how do you wanna answer that prayer through me? We go out into the world as witnesses to his kingdom, and we live out his kingdom priorities. You might remember Micah chapter six, verse eight, 
What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Author Tim Keller says it this way. He says, to spread the kingdom of God is more than simply winning people to Christ. The church is to be a new society in which the world can see what family dynamics and business practices and race relations and all of life can be like under the kingship of Jesus Christ. God is out to heal all the effects of sin, psychological, social, and physical. In other words, wherever you and I go, wherever the Lord takes us in our daily assignments, we can say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done through my life wherever you want me to be. That's when you go to school. It's on your cell block. It's, it's in your workplace. Some of you are business owners or you're in management. If you're a, a citizen of Jesus' kingdom, first of all, then your focus is not on the almighty dollar alone, you wanna make a profit, but to say, what would it look like for the kingdom values of Jesus to be lived out in the way I do my work, integrity and fairness and justice? That I don't leave my kingdom priorities in a church facility, but I say, Lord, the way I treat Mary, would you help me to live out your kingdom values? Lord, the way that my neighbors see me, the way I take care of my body, the way I handle my finances, the way I interact with, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. And, and so we pray, whether you're a coach or a parent or a physician, a community leader, whatever you do, that you say, Lord, I want your kingdom values to be lived out through me. Often that's in your daily, just wherever you go. Tomorrow morning you wake up and and he's, the Lord wants to go with you. And, and, and for you to pray that prayer, Lord, your kingdom come today through me. Sometimes, though, it involves a big move. And God might do something really unusual in your life. Some of you remember uh, a couple that have been at Grace before. In fact, they're moving back to Cleveland. You'll see them around at Grace. Carl and Lori Ralston. They own an insurance business in the Canton area involved in their local church. About 18 years ago, Carl went on a missions trip to Asia and he heard about the desperate situations that a lot of people face in a few of those countries that to the extent that parents and grandparents sometimes feel they have no other option except to traffic their own children and grandchildren. Sometimes it's because of addiction, often it's simply because of poverty. So Carl hears about these girls who are being trafficked, especially girls, some boys as well, and they told this story about a girl named New, N-H-U. And Carl was on this trip and he goes, he was just expecting, you know, see what's happening. And it was, he says, like God spoke to me and said, Carl, I want you to remember New. I want you to pray for her. I, I want you to think about her, remember New. And Carl did. Some of you know the story. Carl came back, talked to his wife and, and said, I, I, think, I, I think I'm supposed to be a part of, of helping to protect children who are at risk for sex trafficking. So he started an organization, together they did, called Remember New. And New actually became their adopted daughter. He went back to the country, had no idea how to find her, started asking people, found her. Today she lives in the Seattle area, she's married and has a child, and, and not only that, the organization now has 120 homes in 16 countries that has provided a safe place of education and food and love for 2,400 plus children who are at risk for sex trafficking. 
That's kingdom priorities at work, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, how do you want to use me in that process? Just one more big point about this kingdom we're, we're praying for. When we pray your kingdom come, often we think of, you know, kingdoms, we think of dictators, and it's like, you know, it's my way or the highway, and it's terrible, and we think this is like very rigid. Can I just tell you, this is a kingdom that everybody would want to be a part of. Sometimes people view Christianity as like it's, you know, there's no joy and it's really somber and all the rest. Let me read a description of the kingdom from Romans chapter 14. Here's what it says. The kingdom of God is living life, listen to these descriptors, of what? Goodness and peace and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like when Jesus is in charge. When he comes into your life, when he comes among a people, that's what we as a church ought to be like, that there's goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So how do we participate? Like, how do you, how do you get your passport to heaven? Well, if Jesus is our king, then he calls us to do what? To say, Lord, I acknowledge you. You, you are my king king, and so I surrender to his leadership. The Bible says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you were saved. So we declare, Jesus, I believe you're alive. You're the rightful Lord, not only in the world, but in my life. You're worthy to be my king. I pledge my allegiance to you. You're not my co-pilot, you're my pilot, my king. And when that's the case, then we say yes to King Jesus in every area, right? So let me ask you today, what's your primary passport? Can you say today, oh yeah, Jesus is my king. I've, I've declared him to be my Lord. Friends, when, when you do that, if, if Jesus is your king, that means heaven's your ultimate home. And you can pray, Father, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in, in my life, in my relationships, Lord, in my workplace, in my home, in every area of my life, Lord, your will be done here on earth in my life as it is what? In heaven, can I tell you, he wants to answer that prayer. He wants to answer the prayer, and there's, friends, listen, there is no better way to live than having Jesus as your king. He's good. His kingdom is peace and goodness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Would you invite him right now with me? Let's just invite him to have his rightful place in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you did come back to life. You didn't only die in our place, which was amazing, but Lord, you conquered death, and today you've been declared the King of kings and Lord of lords, and Jesus, you're gonna come again someday, and every eye will see you, and every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, but Lord, we don't wanna wait for that time. We're saying today, Lord, you are our king, my king, and so Lord, we do pray your kingdom come your will be done, Lord, in my life, in my relationships, in my 
daily assignment, Lord, to whatever you call me, every area of my life, Jesus, your will be done in me today, this week, as it is in heaven. Lord, you're worthy. So we acknowledge you today as our king. We declare with saints through the angels and with the angels, countless angels, you are the king of kings and Lord of lords and we owe our lives to you and we gladly do so. In your powerful name we pray and everyone said, amen. amen.